Bible College by Radio, brought to you direct from the campus of African Bible College. On the mighty red sea, and he says, I believe you, put your trust in me. And now for today's lesson, let's join Mrs. Nell Chinchin. Welcome to Bible College by Radio. These lessons in Hebrews chapter 11 have certainly opened our eyes to behold wonderful things out of God's Word concerning faith. Isn't it amazing, Ganwo, how all of these great men and women in the Bible are remembered here for us because of their faith? Yes, it is, Mrs. Tianjin. It certainly does show us that it is faith that pleases God, that His heart is really satisfied when His children act in faith. Now, you know, we can all understand how a person might get brave and take one big step of faith. But what is so amazing is the perseverance we see recorded here. They just keep on keeping on, are these men and women of faith. Now this patriarch, Abraham especially, shows great faith, and this faith is even passed on down to his descendants, Isaac and Jacob. We're going to meet them again in our lesson today. But first, Ganwa, would you like to help our students with a review of our last lesson, Lesson 12, which covered verses 7 through 12 in Chapter 11 of Hebrews? I'll be happy to, Mrs. Chin-Chin. In our last lesson, we talked mostly about two men, Noah and Abraham. We saw how both of these men were obedient to God. God told Noah to build the ark, and Noah obeyed God. God told Abraham to leave his people and his country, and Abraham obeyed God. We saw that true faith is obedient to the word of God. All right, we also saw that Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. He didn't follow God in order to get something right now, like a big fine house. He was looking up for a heavenly home, and that shows us he really had a strong faith. But God, well, what about Abraham's wife? Did she try to hold him back? Uh, no, indeed, Mrs. Chinchin. Uh, Sarah herself had faith. God would not have given her that son if she did not have the faith to believe that he would give her the strength she needed to conceive. We certainly learned some good lessons out of those few verses, didn't we, Ganwo? We here at ABC already realize the importance of faith, don't we? And that's our motto. Faith in action, God in motion. I just hope our listeners will listen seriously to the rest of these lessons of faith. I know it will help them a lot to live a life that pleases God. I hope so too, Ganwo. And now I wonder if you would please share these uh, letters with our listeners that you have there before we begin our lesson today in Lesson 13, 
which is Hebrews chapter 11. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. And from Monrovia, you have a letter for us. Dear Reverend Chin Chin, thank you for your Bible courses. They have really been a help to me and have aided me in studying the Bible. I am sorry for not sending the first part of Mrs. Chinchin's course sooner because the course had not yet been finished over the radio. Continue your good works. Yours in Christ. All right. Thank you for that fine letter. And you have another one from Greenville in Sino County. Dear Christian friend, happy greeting comes to you in the name of our Lord God, the Creator. This is to acknowledge you that I have interest in your college, intended to get us advancing God's words or His wills. But there is a saying, and this saying is, Dry dog is sweet to be eaten, but what will I be eating until the dog gets dry? <laughs> this saying is an indication that learning is an easy thing to mankind, but the requirements are the handicap. To enlighten you on this saying, I do not have money to enter your African Bible College. Hope to hear from you shortly. May the Almighty God give you the wisdom for everything you want to do. Thanks. All right, thank you for that letter, Ganwo, and I might just uh, say to our student a few suggestions here. First of all, I would encourage him the next time the test is administered, the entrance test to African Bible College, that he would uh, take the test and uh, see how he does and really make this a matter of prayer. Uh, we keep the tuition very low here at African Bible College uh, in order that we might be able to uh, really help the students who want to come here that very few students are ever really turned away because of, of this financial problem. But you do need to begin in faith and uh, trust God and ask Him to provide for you if the way opens up for you to come to African Bible College. Now let's just uh, look together to God for, in a word of prayer before we get into this lesson for today. Heavenly Father, we praise you now for our listeners, for those whose hearts are encouraged day by day by your word and we would ask that that be true even today, that your Holy Spirit would speak to hearts and meet needs uh, all around Africa. We ask now that you give us understanding of our lesson as we study together. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Open your Bibles now once again to the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Soon you won't even have to look for this chapter. Your Bible will just open by itself. But so many wonderful truths are here. We don't want to miss a single one. Now our lesson for today is entitled The Reward of Faith. Now in order to receive a reward, one of the things you know is that you must persevere. A person that is in training for the Olympics will practice and practice and practice. He will not become easily discouraged. A person that is trying to finish school will work and work and sometimes in the face of many obstacles and trials and hardships he will not give up and our faith must be like that we must be able to endure disappointments and testings and temptations if our faith is genuine it will stand the test all these people we read about in this 11th chapter endured till the end we read they all died in faith. In other words, even as they were dying and still had not seen all that God had promised them, they still believed that he would keep his word, his promises to them. Now look at verse 13 in this 11th chapter, and this is where we will begin our lesson for today. 
These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Mrs. Chinchin, didn't some of these die because of their faith? Yes, they did, Ganwo, and we'll be talking more about that later. But we need to realize that for a person to deliberately offer up his life because of his faith, he must really be persuaded that a better life is yet to come. He must be looking for a heavenly country. I see some interesting things in these verses, Mrs. Chin-Chin. All right, Ganwo, I can see you want to be a Bible detective, as Reverend Chin-Chin is always telling his students. Go ahead, what do you see? Well... First, I see in this verse 13 that these saints did not receive the promises. And second, they saw them afar off. But that third, they still believed them. And fourthly, they embraced them. And lastly, they confessed they were only strangers on this earth. That's clear, uh, Ganwo. But what do you think is the important thing we need to see here? Well, I think one thing is, if we are to die in faith, we must first live by faith. Uh-huh. If we're going to die in faith, we must live in faith. Uh, that's true. I think that's clear by what we read at the close of that verse. They did not consider this world to be their home. They were looking for a better place. You know, a person can live in a place and still consider himself a stranger there. He may think of himself as just passing by and not really living there. You know, sometimes missionaries will go out to a place to serve the Lord and they will find some house to live in and maybe ship over some barrels of things to make their house more personal. But all the time, their heart is back in their home country. You know, it's like they keep their suitcase packed under their bed to leave at any time. And I have found that those kind of missionaries usually do not stay long. They always feel like a stranger in a foreign land. But you know... From the first minute that God called us to Africa as missionaries, from the first day we unpacked and moved into a bamboo mat house in the middle of the jungle, Africa has been my home. Now, it's true, the house itself didn't make it home because that house burned down, and then another cement block house burned down, and now we're living in a totally different place in a different house, but Africa is still my home here on earth, and it's home to our children, even though they may travel to different, different places for their education. When they have vacation, they want to come home. Now, I realize that maybe one of the reasons God allowed us to lose two homes in a fire was that he wanted us to keep our eye on our heavenly home. I didn't think I need to learn that lesson twice, but I guess I did. Now, verse 14 says that when we say this, we are plainly saying that we're looking for our heavenly country. Look at verse uh, 14. They that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Now, the thing that we want to remember is that they could have turned back at any time. Look at verse 15. Truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. We can surely see some examples in the Bible, Mrs. Chinchin, of some who cared more about the things in this world than they did spiritual things. I'm thinking about Esau, you know, that man who sold his birthright for a bowl of palm butter or some kind of red soup. Yes, Ganwell, there will always be people like that. 
But we're talking about those who kept their eye on that heavenly country. And God will not be ashamed. He will not be embarrassed. He will not let us trust him and then fail us. He is not that kind of God. Now we go back again to Abraham. We can see, as we are reminded of the things that Abraham did, why he is called the father of our faith. But all of the things that he did, the offering up of his son, uh, which was the most wonderful work of faith ever performed, uh, was given to him. The, the ability to do that, of course, came from God himself. We read in verse 17 that by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now let's look back at Genesis chapter 22 and just see what, uh, what this story uh, is telling us here. Most of you are familiar with this section in Genesis where we read about uh, Abraham offering up Isaac. But let's just go over that a little bit and refresh your memory. In Genesis chapter 22, look at verse 1. It came to pass after these things that God did test Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham? And Abraham said, Behold, here I am. And God said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and he saddled his donkey, and he took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and he rose up. And he went into the place which God had told him. And on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, You stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand, and a knife, and they went, both of them together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, and he said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Well, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together, and they came to the place of which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and he laid the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son, and he laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham answered and said, Well, here I am. And he said, Don't touch the child. Lay not your hand upon him. Neither do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram was caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. I wonder what Abraham thought when he did this. He knew that God had promised him a multitude of descendants. That was the real test, Conwell. It was not so much a test of Abraham's love for God, of Abraham's submission to God, but the main thing we see is that Abraham's faith was tested. But Mrs. Chinchin, if God can read men's hearts, and even he knew what was in Abraham's heart, 
Why did he need to test Abraham's faith? Well, God, well, God tests all our faith, not to prove to himself that our faith is real, but to ourselves and to those about us. Sometimes, as with this case of Abraham and Isaac, it seems contradictory to God's plans. He had promised Abraham a multitude of descendants through Isaac. And now, if he must be offered up as a sacrifice, how could that be? But we are not to question God. And Abraham's faith rested strictly on the promise of God. Look at this verse 17 again now, along uh, with verse 18 and 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, And Isaac shall all your seed be called, accounting, now listen to this, that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which also he received him in a figure. That was really strong faith that Abraham had, wasn't it? He believed God was powerful enough to raise Isaac from the dead. Gamal, that is exactly the essence of faith. True faith is able to commit everything into God's hands and leave the solution of the problem to him. So often we go this way and that way, up and down, not sleeping at night, fretting and worrying, and all the time God has the answer to whatever our problem might be. You know, we have a wonderful expression. You can meet someone and say, well, how's things? And they can answer, no problem. <laughs> we cannot really say that unless we have first committed everything to God. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of a very encouraging verse, Mrs. Chinchin. Uh, verse, that verse that we find in Psalms 37. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. That's a good verse, Conwell. And another aspect of faith that's important. Faith expects God to reward or to recompense those things lost for Christ's sake. You know, uh, you've heard Reverend Chinchin give his testimony of the verse that God used to call us into Christian service out of Mark 10, 29 and 30, uh, where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, I say unto you, there is no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life now many times we have reminded god of that promise we left our home he has given us many other homes we left our lands beautiful uh, fruit farms acres and acres of land but he has given us back land for a new church building in washington land for a christian high school in california land for the African Bible College here in Africa. Mothers and fathers. Oh, he has given us wonderful Christians as mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters all over the world. And children, yes, he has even given us a hundredfold children. Oh, the Lord will not be indebted to any man. <laughs> that reminds me of the time back in Second Chronicles when one of the kings of Israel was bidden by the Lord to dismiss the army he had hired. He was troubled and he said, what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? And the prophet replied, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. That's right. We never have to worry about God not paying his debt. Now we need to remember that Isaac was a witness to his father's faith. Not only a witness, but a submissive participant. And this, my friend, is how children learn. 
Oh, you, you may fool your neighbors about what a great Christian you are. You may even fool your pastor, but you will never fool your children. So Isaac learned what faith was all about from his father. He is mentioned here in our hall of faith for one particular act that gave evidence of his faith. And God, well, what was that? <laughs> that one act in Isaac's life that God uh, has selected for mention in this fifth chapter is told about in Genesis chapter 27. In this chapter, we meet Isaac as an old man. He was so old, he was almost blind. All right, we also see that uh, Isaac had not learned to control his fleshly appetite. Even as he was dying, all he wanted was some sweet meat to eat. He wanted some deer meat. And he says, I'm an old man now and expect to die almost any day. Take your bow and arrow out to the fields and get me some venison, some deer meat, and prepare it just the way I like it. And bring it here for me to eat, and I will give you the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. Now, uh, Esau was a good hunter, and because e Isaac liked deer meat, he wanted to bless Esau with this special blessing. But there's a problem here. Gonmo, do you see what it is? <laughs> I think I do, Mrs. Chinchy. It was what the Lord had said to Rebekah before these twins, Jacob and Esau, were born. That's right, Gonmo. Why don't you turn back to Genesis chapter 25 and read verse 23 for us. And he told her, The sons in your womb shall become two rivaled nations. One will be stronger than the other, and the older shall be a servant of the younger. Now Rebecca believed what God said, but she thought God needed help. When she heard uh, Isaac tell uh, Esau to get him some deer meat uh, so he could receive the blessing, she quick, quick thought up a plan. She had Jacob dress up like Esau, and then she killed a goat and cooked it. And so when Jacob carried the soup into Isaac, Isaac thought it he was Esau and, and blessed Jacob. But, Mrs. Chinchy, did Isaac know what God had revealed to Rebekah? How that the elder should serve the younger? Did he know that uh, he was not to give the blessing to Esau but to Jacob? Well, John, well, we really don't know. It is possible that Isaac didn't really seek out to know God's mind in this. You know, sometimes a person can act and think he is doing the right thing, but he hasn't really prayed about it or waited on uh, God to show him what to do. But notice now, and this is what is recorded for us in this Hebrews 11th chapter, right after Isaac had given the blessing to Jacob, Esau came in with his deer meat, and Isaac knew that he had been tricked. But you see, by faith, he realized that he had done the right thing in blessing Jacob. And he says in verse 33 of Genesis 27, I have blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed. Now that was faith. Jacob's faith overcame his anger at being tricked. It overcame his partiality for Esau. It overcame his human nature. And that is why he is remembered as one of faith's heroes. But Mrs. Chinchin, this verse 20 reads that Isaac blessed both Esau and Jacob. And we read, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Well, true, Ganwo, but Isaac's blessing on his son was really prophecy. And this was fulfilled mainly in the descendants of, of Jacob and Esau. He blessed his thern, sons concerning things to come. Now that's faith. Now this same faith is passed down to the next generation because in the next verse, verse 21, we read, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. Now here again we see Jacob blessing his grandsons by faith. Jacob really considered these two boys, uh, Ephraim uh, and Manasseh, as his own sons. And in verse 5 of Genesis 48, Jacob uh, says this uh, to Joseph. 
And now, as to these two sons of yours, Ephraim and Manasseh, born here in the land of Egypt before I arrived, I am adopting them as my own, and they will inherit from me, just as Reuben and Simeon will. The same thing is happening again. In Genesis 48, verse 14, we read that Ephraim received a greater blessing, and he was not the firstborn. And it reads, But Israel crossed his arms as he stretched them out to lay his hand upon the boy's heads, so that his right hand was upon the head of Ephraim, the younger boy, and his left hand was upon the head of Manasseh, the older. He did this purposely. Yes, Ganwo, Joseph wasn't too happy about that. He tried to stop his father, but Jacob wouldn't listen. Listen to this, uh, the rest of that in uh, Genesis 48, beginning with, with 17. But Joseph was upset and displeased when he saw that his father had laid his right hand on Ephraim's head. So he, pl- so he lifted it to place it on Manasseh's head instead. No, father, he said, you've got your right hand on the wrong head. This one over here is the older. Put your hand on him. But his father refused. I know what I'm doing, my son, he said. Manasseh, too, shall become a great nation, but his younger brother shall become even greater. So Jacob evidently knew by some revelation from God what his will was, and he, by faith, blessed the younger son. (laughs) You know, Mrs. Teaching, I can really see the faith of Jacob in that last part of that verse 21. Jacob worshipped God, leaning on the top of his staff. Yes, Ganwo, by faith, Jacob looked to God for the fulfillment of those promises. He, too, looked for that city whose builder and maker was God. His faith was demonstrated by the request he made to his son Joseph to bring him, uh, to bury him in Canaan and not Egypt. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Jacob was looking to that promised land by faith. Oh, my friend, today... Are you only looking at what you can see? Or do you, as did Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, believe the promises of God that he has prepared for us a city, a reward for those who have faith? Thank you, friends, for listening again to Bible College by Radio. May God bless you and keep you in all your ways. Let's see.